Welcome, travelers of the multiverse, as Fantastic E chronicles What If on Disney+. Plus. We are the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is the despondent variant of Pete. Hello, despondent Pete. I think the worst just got here. The Marvel Movie Podcast by Fantastic Geek, featuring What If for episode 103. What If the World Lost Its Mightiest Heroes is brought to you by Asgardian Lavender. Even while rotting, you'll smell nice. Pete, here we are one year and one day since the sad passing of Chadwick Boseman. I think... I mean, obviously an opportunity to reflect on his passing, as many did on social media. Um, I think from a release schedule, from a what-if schedule and whatnot, um, it was good to get last week's episode uh, out of the can, out there. What I'm trying to say is this, Pete. I'm glad that we, I'm glad that it wasn't the Chadwick Boseman episode on the one-year anniversary, because that would not have felt right. He recorded a yeah. thing. The episode was great. It's separate from taking a moment to reflect on uh, on a year since his loss. It's funny how things fall and you have to wonder, was there some kind of scheduling uh, uh, discussion? Did they look at that? Um, but obviously a, a year and a day uh, since that happened, you know, it's it's right to let that be its own thing, to let people remember them i mean matt i can't imagine they they are filming uh black panther wakanda forever right now um around the the anniversary of his death and i i can't imagine what that's like i mean let alone the rewrites they had to obviously go through to get to that point um so uh it, it just happens to fall this way and and i think probably uh, other than his sad passing for the best. Also, Pete, in the last week, uh, Sony announced or Sony dropped a trailer for um, a movie with a British guy in it. Uh, actually, two British guys because Alfred Molina's in it too. Um, <laughs> uh, or three British guys. <laughs> uh, that's true. You know, you know what, Pete? <laughs> wow. Uh, listeners can rewind to our Doctor Strange podcast from 2016, 2017, wherever that was, where I was critical of Cumberbatch's American accent. And here I am, Pete, uh, considering Doctor Strange American as opposed to um, Benedict Cumberbatch. But yeah, there you go. I um, thought you missed uh, Tom Holland there for a second. <laughs> um, the bottom line being, fantastic trailer. Um, anybody who's had their ear to the ground wasn't surprised that Alfred Molina was back, wasn't surprised to say, wait, that sounds like Willem Dafoe's laugh. Um I know that the that electricity looks like Jamie Foxx. <laughs> I don't know that I actually ever saw that. The ama- that was amazing too, right? I I don't think I saw amazing too all the way through or whatever. But Pete, I digress. Um, the trailer has broken all sorts of YouTube records, you know, twenty four hours and so on and so forth, more than Endgame, just for reference. So I know we. At Fantastic Geek, we have made the decision to forego the theatrical experience for Shang-Chi, and we look forward to podcasting it in general Disney Plus release in the second half of October. Um, And while I think it's too early for a variety of reasons to say, you know, uh, definitely going to Spider-Man in a packed theater, maskless as we uh, uh, popcorn and whatnot, um, 
everybody in Hollywood is saying, oh, wait, maybe the movies can make a comeback. Spider-Man says so. We will have to see. I mean, certainly the excitement around this. Uh, Matt, dare I say the release of the trailer was kind of forced, given the sizable leak that took place, complete with watermark of the person that it was assigned to. Um, Oof, I, that part I did not know. That oh, the, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Hmm. The, the watermark of the effects artist um, whose version that was. Um, yeah, you have to wonder, will we hear six weeks from now? And so-and-so, I'm not going to use the name given that, you know, that the, the leak is out there and you can go look at it. And I had watched the the leaked version of the trailer um, prior to the actual trailer being released the next day. Uh, but uh, not a good look, not good optics. And obviously the only way to take that bad taste away is to, all right, here it is in, in all its glory. And uh, now it's out there. Now that the excitement for that film is, is fully underway with some, some visuals to it. I mean, Matt, we're going to follow that up with a, with a Dr. Strange trailer in a, in a couple months before, you know, that movie. Um, and, and that I think will be another thing. I mean, it's, it's pretty much at a situation. Yes. Spider-Man and his popularity and everything like that. And all the multiverse angles of this and okay. So finally getting Alpha Marina's Molina's, uh, Doc Ock, back on screen and the hints at the others and not even, you know, the other others that it's widely believed are still going to be there. And I think wise to, to hold some stuff back, um, out of this. I mean, this was a teaser trailer. Um, but there we are. And, uh, again, you know, that, that decision made by fantastic geek here to, it's it's not safe in theaters right now, and and we are making that decision. Um, sorry if uh, you were looking forward to the podcast on that. We will be bringing you that, but again, when it is safe to be doing so, the the rate of transmission, the numbers right now, particularly in our area, are not supportive of that experience. Certainly, whether you'll be watching Shang-Chi in September or October, which I do want to stress, you know, like, look, if you're a profit participant listen, uh, listening, if you're a profit participant for Shang-Chi, which, first of all, welcome. Um, you know, I know there's obviously the whole Black Widow theatrical Disney Plus debate, blah, blah, blah. Um, do, However, if you're just, if you're a normal like us sitting on the couch, sitting in the armchair watching this stuff or, or going to the movies and, and so on and so forth, it is just the difference between the first Friday in uh, in September and then like the third week in October. It is just that 45-day window. So similarly, Pete, I'm looking forward for fun, maybe for podcasting uh, in about, what is it, about 30 days, less than 30 days. Uh, I'm assuming Free Guy is going to hit Hulu. You know, that's you make your choices. You go for it. You can support, support stuff at the box office. You can support it with your streamer subscription uh, dollars as well. Most importantly, or most salient to today, Pete, uh, we're supporting Disney Plus with our uh, subscription dollars there. Uh, I think it's time to roll into the debrief.
When we catch you up on what went down. Monday. Nick Fury rides with Natasha Romanoff, reminding her about the Avengers initiative. But she's heard the speech as they arrive at Randy's Donuts, where a hungover Tony Stark is sitting atop the iconic location. Fury gets Stark to come down, but he doesn't want to join his team. Fury points out Stark could use his help. Romanoff injects him with lithium dioxide, not a cure for what ails him, until he keels over and dies. The Watcher explains how over the course of a week, three strange and separate stories unfolded. A genius battled his demons inside and out, while the world met the Hulk hiding in a man, and a godly prince fell to earth. The Watcher and we saw these individuals form a team of heroes, but in this reality, it's Tuesday. S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Phil Coulson contacts Fury to tell him he's found Molnir. Fury directs him to set up a perimeter before he gets there as Romanoff is in custody as a suspect in Stark's murder. Brock Rumlow tells her to save her spin for Alexander Pierce in New York. Romanoff maintains her innocence and Fury believes her as well as that the handcuffs won't hold her. He tells her someone inside S.H.I.E.L.D. compromised Stark's antidote, which he hands her before she's loaded into a truck full of guards. She proceeds to incapacitate before Rumlow finds her gone. In Puente Antiguo, New Mexico, Clint Barton briefs Fury on the hammer. Not even Jackson, who does CrossFit, can lift as ominous thunder cracks. As Coulson informs them about the perimeter breach, he has eyes on the intruder and his really great hair. Barton gets a visual and confirms the great hair before an arrow plunges into the intruder's chest. Barton maintains his innocence, but his arrow would indicate otherwise. As Barton sits in a cell, Fury tells Coulson the intruder's blood indicates he was a nearly thousand-year-old alien. Barton's not talking to anyone anymore when Fury finds him dead. Because he had a wife and kids, Fury doesn't suspect suicide. Wednesday, at Culver University in Virginia, Romanoff approaches Dr. Betty Ross, who says she hasn't seen the green guy. Romanoff shares the news of Stark's murder and the possible weapon with an expert in cellular biology, and so she could keep it off S.H.I.E.L.D.'s radar. In Ross's lab, she determines whatever killed Stark was not biological as the antidote didn't leave the syringe. It looks like a tiny projectile was fired from the needle. Fury calls to tell Romanoff Barton is dead. Seems his murder and Stark's are connected as Avengers candidates. She and Banner are targets and she just found him. 
in New Mexico as Coulson returns from a coffee run, Loki and an Asgardian army appear. Romanoff interrupts as General Ross bears down on Banner. Loki is there for vengeance. Banner is hit by a sniper, triggering his transformation. After Romanoff prevents Betty from stopping her father, the Hulk begins to swell uncontrollably and explodes. Lady Sif slows Loki down to listen. Fury floats the idea of working together. Loki gives him until sunrise to produce Thor's assassin. At the Manassas, Virginia Public Library, Romanoff is attempting to read up on the Avengers Initiative, but needs Coulson's password. Coulson, Fury, Pierce, Janet Van Dyne, and Maria Hill all pop up on the database, and Romanoff wonders how a woman who died two years ago accessed the database yesterday. As she calls Fury, she's attacked by an unseen assailant, but not before she gets a message off that it's all about hope. Coulson points out Fury is the only name left. He gets his 1990s beeper out to make a pact with a god or a deal with a devil. Thursday. In San Francisco, Fury visits the grave of beloved daughter and agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hope Van Dyne, where Hank Pym holds him responsible and monologues about how he committed the murders. Pym attacks in the yellow jacket suit, but Fury swats him away easily. It's really Loki, and as the Asgardians take Pym away, he wants to be allies after all. Friday, at the United Nations in New York, Loki addresses his loyal subjects who have united under his command. Coulson and Fury lament the fallen Avengers, but with a vibranium shield and maybe more on ice, he has at least one captain to call. Pete, with a divergence having occurred, let's talk about what changed and would we keep these changes. First, let's start with this, Pete. Do I have it correct that though so much of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is is diverged in this episode, the singular what if here, and I know we have a title, but the singular what if ultimately is if Hope Van Dyne was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. killed in Odessa. That's the point, right? I mean, you have that obviously as the one that ties everything together and, and tips the episode. For me, Matt, the, the thing that really drew me first, and I, I do these chronologically, uh, this is what if Edward Norton didn't play Bruce <laughs> Banner? Um, yeah, it definitely, as I was watching it, particularly the second time, Look, I think everybody knows, and if you don't, we'll quickly recap. Um, the, what is it? Universal Studios has the theatrical distribution film rights for Hulk. That's not to say the Universal has to make a Hulk movie, but if if somebody makes a Hulk movie, like Disney, Universal gets to release it. Okay, fine. Obviously, this is not a movie. It is a TV show. It's not live action. It's animated and so forth. But it's like, 
where did they film Culver University? And can a lawyer from Universal Studios say, well, you're copying the movie and re-releasing? Like, clearly, these are clearly th- this all got worked out. But um, but yeah, we have the insertion um, of uh, of Mark Ruffalo here. Um, clearly, him. I mean, maybe it's not. Well, you know, I think they went back and kind of maybe made him a little more youthful, a little more. Not that Mark Ruffalo uh, needs to lose weight, maybe a little less weight on the face just to take some years off to dial him all the way back to, what is it, 2010? Uh, no, 2008, which, which is when that movie would have come out. Um, so, yeah, Ruffalo Hulk, here we go. Not a tremendous likeness for me. Um, and obviously, you know, you had an actor change in, in terms of what took place, you know, Matt, imagine like in some alternate universe, Edward Norton is an Avenger. <laughs> Asking the question, what if? <laughs> um, Pete, looking at this episode, do we, do you, because I know the answer for me, do you take points off for the darkest what if yet? Or do you have points added for telling a really heavy tale of major loss uh, in an environment where you can do it. You can do it for 35 minutes, then drop the hot potato and say, we don't ever need to go back. So where's that for you? They continue to impress me with how far they'll go in these scenarios. Um, and I wonder with the second season, you know, progressing, you know, will they push that envelope? Um, the idea here that, you know, what would wind up being our team of Avengers would mostly be murdered. Um, you know, did did Steve Rogers ever make it out of the ice? I mean, we have the shield that doesn't, you know, the existence of the shield doesn't even uh, imply his existence. Um, you know, hence Carol Danvers, you know, popping up there, you know, is, is, is she going to, wield the shield and the you know the the power that she has um from the tesseract but you know uh yeah i mean a, a murder mystery a, a whodunit and uh i i was really surprised you know what, what what if they lost wait no they're killing them off um and to have it be hank pym too it, it, an unhinged uh michael douglas here in the yellow jacket suit so it, it brings up as well you know all right if scott lang is existing in this universe he's not ant-man is he you know gonna somehow come across them another way what about thanos quantum realm etc i mean it's it's quite a ripple effect in that universe uh when you consider too you know with with loki seemingly planting his flag on earth of, of conquest and yeah, trying to do it a little bit more diplomatically, obviously through the United nations and, you know, some sort of tacit agreement with fury. But, um, the idea that he doesn't murder Phil Coulson. So the Avengers don't have a thing to avenge (laughs) except, dead pre-Avengers? Yeah, I think where my criticism of the first episode was they kind of didn't, they didn't change enough. 
um, in my mind, to be engaging. Although, once again, the the story of female empowerment and so forth, definitely the high point of, uh, of What If 101. And then with last week, yeah, they changed a lot. Um, but it wasn't, I mean, it was like Thanos goes from bad to good or largely neutralized, right? Thanos goes from the worst thing the universe has ever seen to now he helps Robin Hood people, you know, like the, the, the changes were big, but not, not massive. This is just a complete reimagine. This week is just a complete reimagination of, um, of Fury's big week. I know that there was some thought at Marvel studios that, um, that the idea of Fury's big week was um, quote, an obscure point uh, of detail that only hardcore fans would know. Okay, I think, you know, somewhat yes, somewhat no. The idea of making Hank Pym the baddie, I thought was particularly inspired, if only because I know what the false chronology, I know I know what the story chronology of the MCU is. However, I, I have my chronology in terms of when I went to go see these movies and whatnot, and it's like Hank Pym and Michael Douglas joined the MCU with the first Ant-Man movie, and then they retconned in a flashback. I don't personally think of myself in the theater in 2008 saying, wait, I heard if you stay, there's a thing afterwards. <laughs> I don't think of, oh, and also in 2008, Hank Pym had been, you know, uh, gone from S.H.I.E.L.D. for 20 years and Janet had died 15, 20 years before that. But you know what I mean? It's just kind of not a part of my chronology. So to bring him in, you go... Oh, right. He's there, even though I didn't experience him in 2010, 2011, when I saw some of these movies. What if we get a uh, post credit scene at some point? Um, first of all, I watched very carefully. We didn't get one this time, did we? No, I, I, I check everything. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, similarly off of that, you, you know, I would like to see the sequel to this. And I think that's part of the, you know, Pete, what's the number one basic, uh, you know, showbiz rule. Keep them, uh, wanting more, keep them wanting more. So, I mean, if they're never going to return to this, okay. I I still want to know how it turned out. You know, if it's, if, if the sequel to this is the, what if season five premiere, you know, down the line, there's the potential for it where I think with some of the others, like, you know, T'Challa and the Guardians of the Galaxy was heartwarming and beautiful. Do I need to see them do more Robin Hood stuff, you know, a year afterwards? Or Okay, not really. Um, this was just this was just a, a truly fantastic story. And I mean, in terms of sequel, Pete, can Captains America and or Marvel defeat Loki and his armies? Because that was inspired as well, that when you remove these other things it's enough excuse for Loki to come in and Loki's not being a bad boy and not going to get stopped by Odin or Thor. Thor is dead. And of course, Odin is going to say these, these, these people on Midgard took my, took my first son, second son, new heir to the throne, go exact a terrible vengeance. So Pete, do we have hope lowercase H or not? (laughs) You have to wonder if the flavor of their writer's room is, we don't continue tales we've what ifed because essentially it, it does foul up the premise. What if we went back to one? Okay. Maybe what if you're, you're constantly dropping back into alternate 
realities, the whole premise, the, the prism, the, you know, just wheel of possibilities. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the longer they do this. So actress Lake Bell takes over from, uh, takes over the Natasha Romanoff uh, mantle from ScarJo. You know, attitude. Like there were moments of inflection. Like, I know this isn't Scarlett Johansson, but the woman who is voicing her really gets her take on that character. Yeah, it's a great it's a great MCU Natasha Romanoff without being a Scarlett Johansson copy. You know what I mean? All right, Pete, let's check what messages we have from the multiverse. We're going to start with our Twitter feed where we put up a poll here. Uh, one crown kneecapped 2.9%. Two crowns particle. Oh, particle got 2.9%. Three crowns fill Pete. Now I get to be the one to say it. Phil with a PH for Phil Coulson. Phil up my heart got 60%. And four crowns, Fiji's finest, which I did with Fs in retrospect. Maybe I shouldn't have, but that got 34.3%. Also some tweets here. We heard from Nathan Nolan Edwards, who said, I had to vote for the Phil Coulson category. So happy to see Phil. And I love Lady Sif showing up all over the Marvel Universe. Yeah, I guess I had to stop to think, Pete, that we got two Lady Sifs in the last several months right um yeah yeah and uh, i think there's gonna be a whole lot more coming oh good to know um this is the most fun what if question for me so far uh i'm assuming nathan talking about this episode which i would agree was it was dark but it was fun because you were able to break all the toys and then put them in the box and be like okay mm-hmm. new toys next time uh, we hear from our captain pete who should be there with captain uh captain america captain marvel captain noel gardner at noel camille taking fury's big week and making it a murder mystery is brilliant loki using a complete wipeout of fury's potential team to take over the world was a twist the writing team seems to be having a lot of fun colson's password thor's hair and i can't wait to see what's next we heard from more nerdy, less Dodger. That's at Princess De Leon. I voted Phil up my heart because it was the best part. Uh, because the best part of this ep was Phil. It didn't seem to capture me the way the previous eps had. Not sure if it was because we didn't see the one decision that changed at all, or because the change was so spread out. Pete, though I enjoyed this one greatly, I think that uh, Princess De Leon has an interesting point of intellectual criticism there. That, yeah, we don't see the divergence. Yeah, and I think, you know, the the changes can be big. They can be little. It's going to be fascinating to watch as we go through, you know, what seemingly changes the most, what doesn't. Um, You know, but they they have that poetic license, that creativity to, to draw from. Uh, we heard from AMC, that's at Ann Coltonum, who said, I uh, totally love that What If gave us a good old-fashioned murder mystery. There are so many possible stories for Season 2 to explore. Looking forward to hearing the podcast. Spider-Ham Lincoln, that's at TessLC139, said, I thought this was the third best of the first three, but the mystery was slick. I enjoyed the Yellow Jacket Hank Pym reveal, though halfway through I suspected it was Ant-Man. Almost got it right. Nice to have most of the main voice actors. A season two sequel to this story would be nice with Captains America and Marvel leading a different team. Avenging uh, the fallen heroes against King Loki. Pete, there's your Avengers. They can avenge 
those that were killed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, maybe Sif would join them with Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, the sky's the limit. We heard from 084, fittingly Pete, here we are, with Coulson. Uh, that's at O-O-H, eight the number, then four the word, F-O-U-R. Uh, the idea of Fury's big week makes that awkward middle part of phase one much better in my opinion. Turning that on its head with a murder mystery and sprinkling in elements from later phases and comic moments made this episode exactly my cup of tea. Uh, James is sagacious. That's at Big Killen on Twitter. Pete, whose uh, private reach out we appreciated. Thanks, buddy. Uh, he said, not my favorite, but I loved seeing Colson and Fury. Uh, we heard from Darren Bell. Pete, I don't think Darren Bell is related to uh, vo- here, voice actress Lake Bell, but Darren, if she is, let <laughs> us know. Um, that's Darren B4605-2059. Uh, my favorite episode so far. Thought it was quite clever with the different ways Hank was able to take out each character, although I think Thor got taken out a bit, uh, a little bit easily. Uh, Pete, the favorite, and the far with the PH there. Uh, and in reply to that, what of it, uh, that's at KCLY. LE1 said, uh, this was great. Uh, I didn't figure it out till uh, Black Widow said, Hope. My only issue was that Hope wasn't Wasp before Avengers, was she? So something changed that, I guess. Uh, so, so something changed that. So I guess that's really the what if. Regardless, fun episode and great to see Coulson, sort of. Pete, I will build on that by saying I tend to watch with the subtitles, especially if I'm watching like in bed on my phone in the wee hours. Um, here's where the subtitling spoiled the episode. They capitalized hope when it said it. Uh, wh- what mm-hmm. was the line? Watch it. It's all about hope. <laughs> it's all about hope. Yeah. It's all about hope. Yeah. Um, you could have solved that maybe if you did it all capital, like, you know, all those words or whatever. But I was like, oh, it's all about hope. Hope Van Dyne. Got it. As opposed when to when I the... saw Van Dyne, it was Janet. I read hope. Uh, before we even had the name mentioned. So it was in my brain. I didn't pause it in that point. I thought it said hope. Um, so, yeah. But uh, I, I think we can forgive him getting to, you know, what was it, like the three-quarter mark before, you know, even the, the mention of the reveal. On rewatch, the second you see that the syringe exploded out, you're like, all right, it's it's somebody small. Did 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 Lang go bad in prison? I think that's the more easily done tale. Uh, and then wanted to take out Avengers instead. Here, all right, it's uh, Hank Pym. You know, some some sort of, you know, here here he's a, uh, you know, a- Avenger of the wrong sort. Ooh, yes. Uh, last two tweets here. First one from Andre Yeager at Dr. Polo 1983. I love a good whodunit. Best episode to date in the What If series. Good story held my attention and great conclusion. Loki always kills it. And uh, the aforementioned Darren Bell uh, replied to Andre saying, agreed, Loki was as great as he is in the film. So, Pete, that's what we got for Twitter. What do you have from Facebook? Over on the Fantastic Geek Facebook page, Steve Adams writes in, I absolutely loved episode three of What If. The story was creative and brilliant. The twists were surprising, but not so much so that we couldn't figure out what was happening. Major kudos to the animators for not showering all the characters in Gamma Guts after blowing Hulk up. And the ending was absolutely brilliant. My favorite episode of this show so far. 
On another note, as someone with more than 10 years experience running a soundboard for live performances, I do tend to pay attention to sound design. As a listener noted last week, I uh, also feel that some of the voices are just a bit off. Haley Atwell and Mark Ruffalo were recognizable most of the time, but every so often their voices seem to be off in pitch by a step or two. Karen Gillian was almost unrecognizable to my ears. This doesn't really take away from my enjoyment of this show, but I do notice it. Honestly, if that's the only complaint I have about it, I think we're doing okay. As always, I am really looking forward to next week. And of course, stay fantastic with the PH. Pete, thoughts on what Steve had to say. And I'm going to reply. It might be circuitously, but here goes. So in the last week, and something we'll discuss uh, <laughs> we'll discuss on the Pop Culture Podcast, on our uh, Lower Decks Podcast, uh, soon uh soon enough um but the announcement of star trek day and there was a great star trek day trailer and so forth um and what caught my ear in that was when they cut to some lower decks footage it sounded like mariner was recorded in the closet hold on pete most of lower decks where was the voice recording happening oh uh, yeah <laughs> like like at home in the COVID era yeah. so backtracking from there is it possible that we're getting very very clean audio that sounds just fine from some of these actors but then when you finally get it into the episode and so on and so forth it's like hey normally when we mic up mark ruffalo you know they just know you know i have no idea how they do professional micing but hey he always has the microphone on the third button on his shirt because then it gets his dulcet tones just right hey when he recorded it in his closet he was a little closer it was a little more troubles more i i don't know but maybe Knowing that Lower Decks seasons one and two were largely recorded at home, um, particularly the first season, I have to assume a lot of this was recorded at home as well. Um, so maybe that's a factor too. I don't know. We'll have to. Maybe Steve I've, Adams can give us some audio insight there. Yeah, I, I would definitely uh, put the ball back in his court. Uh, and of course, Pete, keeping the balls always back and forth in our court are those who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek, keeping us listener supported, keeping us going when there's mountains to climb and Wi-Fi's to finally why and all of that. And uh, we're just <laughs> so proud to have those people over there. Absolutely. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, could come in the way of early listens, could be things only ever found on Patreon. Takes just a dollar to get you through that door. A month can't contribute. We would certainly be helped out by going over to Apple Podcasts where you could leave us a rating in seconds, particularly for the Marvel movie podcast featuring What If here. Definitely help us out with that. Uh, or a review. Pete, how can people keep this conversation going? How can people talk to you on Twitter? Find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. 12,059 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter, is looking back, lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek, all one word with the P and the H, like it today. 
Pete looking ahead, if you were listening to us on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, uh, within the next day, you will be getting Lower Decks, uh, some behind-the-scenes scheduling stuff, and certainly flexibility appreciated. Uh, but Lower Decks coming soon for Lower Decks 203. If you're here only for the What If and only for the Marvel goodness, we'll be back uh, next weekend to talk What If Episode 4. Let's not forget, Pete. What If is a nine-episode season and Lower Decks is a ten-episode season, so uh, I guess your mileage may vary. With that, though, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word. There was an idea.